Hi, and welcome to episode 66 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger, and my guest today is Kiata Mason. Kiata takes us into her world and her way of seeing. Her still lifes are filled with the objects from her home collected over generations, and portraits are filled with reminders of the past. She plays with colour and perspective to convey her subjects not quite the way they exist in reality, but with an ever-present optimism mixed with a little bit of kookiness. She has a master's degree in drawing from the National Arts School and this forms the foundations of her painting. Last year she won the Musselbrook Art Prize for drawing and she's also been a finalist and semi-finalist in many major painting prizes including the Sulman, Doug Moran, Black Swan and Paddington Art Prizes. She's exhibited in five solo shows and has another two coming up this year alone. We recorded this episode in her studio in the back room of her home in Lake Catai, just south of Port Macquarie in New South Wales' mid-north coast. She lives at times a pretty isolated life, not only because of the geography of the place, but as the full-time carer of her grandmother suffering from Alzheimer's, a cup of tea with a friend is a rare event, and even a trip to the shops is a major operation. As usual, all the works we talk about are on the website talkingwithpainters.com. Kiata grew up in various places, including Sydney, Newcastle, Port Macquarie and Armidale, surrounded by strong women, particularly her mother and grandmother, who had a background in theatre and were always interested in the arts. We pick up the interview when Kiata was a young child living in Newcastle. I remember even back then being taken to art galleries. I mean, I wouldn't know what they were now um, because, you know, I'm not really, you know, au fait with Newcastle. But I remember we had this um, on our house, we had a side room that was sort of all brick and had ferns and it was a fernery, essentially. Mm. And there was a gallery that we used to go to that looked basically like the fern room but with a whole lot of art <laughs> in it. And wow. it had these, yeah, and I remember some, some lovely lady ran it and was always very nice to me yeah. when we went there. So you remember seeing paintings? Oh, yeah. paintings and sculpture and they used to take me to openings and... That was just part of their life. Mm. So I was just sort of, you know, obviously there. You went along, yeah. Yeah. And what, so do you remember as a little kid doing drawing or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So mum was studying when I was younger. She studied Sanskrit to start off with and then when we moved to Armidale, archaeology. So she just put me in the corner with some pencils and paper Mm. and just I would occupy myself that way so that she could have study time. We moved from Armidale probably just before our high school. And first off, we went to Dural on the outskirts of Sydney and I went to a Steiner school there. Mm. And then we moved here. So here we're talking about the coast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, And then we moved to Canberra. So most of high school was in Canberra. Was it hard sort of adjusting to different places or? Um, Yeah, I mean, the schools were very different. I went from a private school in Armidale, a girls' school, to a Steiner school, which is a completely different thought, and then a coastal. What was that like? What was Steiner school like? Oh, well, you went from having to wear, you know, um, 
like crazy amounts of uniform where you couldn't take your gloves off unless you were giving money to the bus person (laughs) and you had to get a note to go out in your school uniform after school with your mother um, to a place that you went and you, you know, took off your shoes and put on slippers and started the day (laughs) dancing. (laughs) I mean, you couldn't get a more of a cultural change. You must have loved that. I mean, I think the Steiner School was far more like our home life, whereas PLC had always been like this strange, rigid thing that I couldn't really conceive as to why I'd been sent there. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't really understand that. But um, <laughs> So what was art like at the Steiner School? Oh, well... Or was it all art? It was all from, art yeah, yeah. in one way or another, but not really. So you did everything by drawing things and listening to stories and then making things and dancing, it seemed. I don't know what else we did. <laughs> So there wasn't much maths. I'm sure there was. Um, I vaguely recall that we were being told about, like, the history of maths in a story. Yeah. And there were monks in the story. Yeah. I don't really know what... It's a nice way to learn, isn't it? Well, it's different. Yeah. I'm not sure I learnt anything. But it was an enjoyable time. Yeah. But then I went here... And I spent the first, actually, that was the first year of high school. Okay. So and that, that was, was a not... true cultural shock because right. then I'm, you know, in Port Macquarie mm. and suddenly, you know, you're surrounded by surfy culture mm. and, you know, really whether you have a tan or not is, is the most important thing. <laughs> and so what happened after high school? Um, well, I was in Canberra by then, so high school stops at year 10. So I really wanted to go straight away from year 10 to art school in Canberra. And I had been going to, you know, classes there on holidays and, you know, any time I could go. They had these classes that you could do to, that was supposed to help people get their portfolio together. Oh, yeah. So it was supposed to be for like year 12 mm. kids. But I'd been going as soon as we got to Canberra oh, right. because it was the only sort of art class that I could find that did a lot of things. Mm, and they let you oh, yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, no, it's very focused. You know, even when we were asked, you know, what, what do you want to do for, um, you know, we had to try out a job, what's that called? And a work experience. Work experience. Yeah. And... Um, I think I had one sensible one where I went to do work experience at the Drill Hall Gallery. Ah, oh, yeah, which is at ANU, at yeah. the Australian National University. And I thought yeah. that was fantastic. If I, if I ever gave up on art and wanted to just work in a gallery, I thought that is a fantastic job. Yeah. What were you doing? It just seemed like they just chatted to artists all day and drank wine or coffee and gossiped. It was wonderful. <laughs> It was wonderful. That is like a great, also, that's a great space, that place. big chat with a lot of artists. <laughs> like just artists would come in all the time and just talk. Yeah. And then we'd go for nice long lunches at the National Gallery. Yeah. I'd be like, this is, if I wanted a job, yeah. which I didn't want, mm. if I wanted a job, that would be <laughs> the job that I want. <laughs> and then the other work experience I did, I actually said to them, look, I'm going to be an artist anyway. Why don't you just send me to the art school? And they'd never had that. The art school was like, I, I don't know what to do with her. So half the time I sort of trailed around behind teachers, you know, 
bringing coffee or things like that. And the other time I got to just be in the class because they're like, well, what do you (laughs) want to do? And I was like, well, I just really want to paint and I have to do this work experience thing. So I thought, gee, that's good work experience. Yeah, brilliant. (laughs) Oh, my God. So what, so, okay, so did you end up going to art school? No, so I got convinced by my friends mostly um, and my grandmother who was a bit disturbed that that would stop me from ever going to university Mm. if I wanted to. Mm. And so I ended up going to Narrabunda College, um, which was sort of the more arts one. Mm -hmm. And I did art, 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 life drawing, photography, (laughs) Media studies, film studies, and then you had to do two sensible things. Yeah. So I did English and ancient history. And so no maths, no science. God, no. <laughs> and we just spent our time, basically, we just were in the art room oh, all the time. Right. Unless at lunchtime we'd, we'd go down and we'd get Turkish pizza and then we'd go to the National Gallery and just, you know, sit in front of a, like a bacon. Yeah. It was a very sort of Fluid. freeform school. Yeah. So by the time I got out of college, I just, I sort of didn't see the point of art school anymore. I'd sort of (laughs) gone past that. And then all my friends went to art school. So I spent a year not doing that and just painting and, you know, you're young, so you're doing a lot of other things, you Mm. know, and we were, I, I started work at this crazy place that, um, it was called Pretty on the Inside and um, they took old clothes and made new ones. It was a very weird, hippie place. But then they put on these sort of shows mm. where they'd have all these strange performers come and artists come and do all these things. It was like a fashion show but not. It was more like cabaret. And so I just got a job there and yeah. therefore got totally involved in that. Yeah. But then I thought, well, all my friends kept saying, oh, art school's so good. So then I went the year after them. But I think because I was doing so much, you know, you know, just in life mm. and because all my friends essentially were the year now ahead of me, mm. I somehow, I, I did pass that year, but I don't know how because I never turned up. Yeah, right. You know, like I I was constantly doing work and I was constantly bringing in, like any time I brought work in, you know, the teachers, I don't even know who the teachers were. That's how yeah, little I turned yeah. up. But so they didn't all, connect with it in I a didn't way. connect with it. And it's not that I wasn't actively making a lot of work. Mm. I was. Mm. But I, it was just sort of like, oh, I've been kind of told that I should do, I don't want to do this anymore, but, yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just painting and, and then I'd bring work in and the teachers would go, oh, okay, we thought we were going to fail you, but, oh, now we can't because you brought in a whole lot more work than the people who have actually been here. So um, after all that activity, I think basically my body couldn't take it and um, I got quite ill and I had to come home. Mm. And so I came back here and um, essentially recovered. But then one day... um, Gran had a friend who was a photographer. I'm trying to remember his name. I think it was David Sanderson. And um, he came round and he brought a friend with him. And we're sitting out on the veranda. 
we didn't really talk about art. We talked about we talked about movies, black and white movies. But because he'd come to to this house, you know, my grandmother's house, and I'd been painting obviously a lot, but she just had paintings all over the house and all over the veranda and, you know, piled everywhere and it was from years and years and years. Mm. This this guy that had come along just started going through the artwork, you know, and we are t- just chatting about other things. We didn't chat about any of the art. He just looked through everything. Mm. And um, at the end of just before they left, he said, he said, what are you going to do next? And I said, oh, I don't know. I think I, I'm feeling well now, so I, I should probably go travelling or, or something. I don't know. You know, I've definitely got to go somewhere, but I have no idea. And um, he said, well, what you should do is go to the National Arts School. And then about a week, week and a half later, he came back. And he said, look, I've just come back because I wanted to make sure that you knew and understood that what you've got to do is go to the National Arts School. And he just seemed like a nice guy and seemed to know what he was talking about and I had no idea. And so I just, I didn't try for anywhere else because I hadn't been told to go to art school. I'd been told to go to the National Arts School. (laughs) So that's where I went. Yeah. And um, had no plan, I had no money. I had no idea how I was going to live in Sydney. Any of that. Yeah. And um, a sort of distant cousin ended up bringing me up about a week, week and a half before I had to move there because I'd got in. Yeah. And said, I hear that you need to move to Sydney. You have no money. Mm. You can come and stay with me and pay pay me with paintings. And so how did you find the National Arts School? What What was your experience there? I love the National Arts School. Mm. Well, you did. You've done a Bachelor of Painting, and then you did Honours in Drawing, Is and then right? Masters. Yeah. yeah, and then your Masters. That's right. Yeah, no, I'm like a homing pigeon. I just keep going back. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's, yeah, and what? And so you 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 did your um, Masters in Drawing mm. as well. So can you tell me a bit about drawing? Like how, I mean, did it all, has it all started from there really? Or is that just been in tandem with your painting all along? I think the National Arts School really impresses upon you the need to draw. So you have, I mean, when you're doing the first three years, you have three different drawing classes, mm-hmm. you know, of different styles of drawing. Mm-hmm. And then you continue that on um, through all three years. I'm not sure if other schools do that. I wouldn't know because I haven't gone to them. Mm, yeah. um, but I know that it's it's a very solid part of of sort of how you're trained to think. Mm. Was it sort of classical training or what sort of No, drawing? it was everything. Mm. So, you know, you'd have different teachers that had different ways of drawing and looking and seeing and playing mm. and mm. reformatting. You, and Yeah. Do, what do you think? What did you enjoy about it the most? Do you, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint that sort of thing, but, I mean, I love drawing as well. Um, I think drawing's exciting because you've really got to look at the history of drawing, really, to understand drawing. Mm. So drawing is associated with an openness, a beginning, a start. So things that are invented or things from the imagination or the, the first glance at something, the first sketch... The, the, the trying to understand something. Mm. It, it tends to be more open. It has, it has lines instead of, you know, 
large spaces of, of decided ground. Mm. So I think there's a level of happy indecision about drawings, whereas paintings are considered more of a finished decision in some ways. I think that might also have part to do with drawings. It's harder to fix them. Where Well, when I say fix, I mean you can't really go over it and cover it up again. Whereas but that's the joy of them. Exactly. That's you right. Want to, in fact, I think, you know, you would be happy in a drawing to show every mark, every, not misstep, but every, every thought. Mm. Whereas in a painting, sometimes you go back over things and cancel things out and, you know, there's just a different feel to them. It's not that one's better than the other, it's they're just... They inform each other all yeah, the time. Yeah. And I'm not saying that all paintings are like, you know, decided and that's, you know, finished kind of thing. But it just overall has that feeling. Mm. And what, um, and so what, how did you feel that you found what, what your, you know, direction was? What, what sort of things were you doing over that period? Um, it sounds ridiculous, but I was probably doing the same sort of things that I am now. Mm, in one way or another and I think I had been before any art school you know I think a lot of my work has always centered around you know the home space and the things around me which I think which is I think is normal for many artists because it's the thing that's right there exactly I found with most artists that I speak to there's always a very strong personal connection with their work Mm. Mm. And that, and it sort of makes sense in a way, you know. But let's let's jump forward to just a few months ago. You had a show with um, uh, that Amber Criswell Bell curated mm-hmm. called Treasures, and that was the second one that you've done with her. Mm. And that was a brilliant show in Sydney. I went and saw it, and it was it was huge. Actually, it was over thirty works mm. um, in a pretty big space as well. Mm. So well the done. The old Ray Hughes Gallery. Yeah, the old Ray Hughes Gallery in uh, Surrey Hills, and um, and that's a great example. That show is a great example of what, exactly what you're talking about, having that personal element. Um, because that was basically all still life works mm. and they're works that you create in your in your studio and there are a lot of objects that are from your home and so they're personal mm. um, objects mm. that you've grown up with and have been in your family for a long time. So things like, and beautiful, beautiful things like shells or candlesticks, um, teapots, cups, sculptures, beautiful silver trays. So all these objects and you've, cre- and you've arranged them in such a beautiful way. Um so this personal connection is, is obviously a really important thing for your, in your work? Yeah. So um, going back a little bit, mm-hmm. when I did my master's, that is the start of when I knew Grant had Alzheimer's. Right. And so the master's was partially a starting point from that but I didn't want it to be about Alzheimer's because Alzheimer's wasn't happening to me but I was sort of looking at all the things around that and of course I'm I'm responding to it as well and the changing circumstances and all the fallout from it Mm. and so I was looking a lot at memory obviously Mm. but I also got quite intrigued by how people then treated her or reacted to her Mm. And um, a lot of 
that work was about empathy and I was trying to figure out how to create work that would produce empathy. So I think this work, although very different in the way that it looks, um, because that was all scraps of paper and different things being brought together and pulled apart again, and, okay, um, has grown upon that. So in many ways, I mean, there are, there are paintings that I have from when I was 12 that are looking at exactly the same scene, but now I understand more about what I would like to talk about. So family is a very big part of that? I think family is a huge part of that. Or, or you know, the people have said that the paintings make them very happy, mm. make them joyful. Mm. And I was saying that today. Yeah. You know, in some ways, you, you know, and you were saying earlier, you know, you don't want to watch the news sometimes. Mm, mm. But we're living in a very, um, I think, in some ways cold and um, very uh, individualistic society mm. where people will put themselves before others even to the point of disregarding people possibly, you know, who are older and have, you know, now can't look after themselves. Yeah. You know, the amount of people who are just put into homes. And I realise that a lot of that is also to do with the economy and, you know, we don't have the lifestyles anymore where people, you know, can be at home and look after their parents or their grandparents. Mm. Which I we should probably just point out that you are the carer for your grandmother yeah. now, and she's got advanced Alzheimer's, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. So I think that does underlie them because a lot of the narrative, at least, is about wanting to keep family together, to hold precious the things that are around you. Mm. I, I mean, even to the point where people they constantly want new things. Mm. Why not just? Just keep the things that you've got yeah. and fix them. You know, if, you, if you're really worried about them being broke, fix them. Yeah, yeah. But I would like them to have that sense of joy and have a sense of compassion and have something that people can feel empathetic with. Mm. And one of the distinctive things about your work that I really love is this beautiful um, delight in patterning. And All right. you just, I just love the way you, you really get into that detail. Mm. Is that something that you've been interested in for a long time? or? Well, I mean, I love patterns and colour, mm. absolutely. And I think also I'm using a lot of things around me that are stirring my own memories or mm. um, that are sometimes scraps of material also that have some sort of weight here in yeah. this place. Yeah, well, you were talking about this fabric that was on this table here. Yeah, so this I just found recently, this orange, yellowy fabric, and uh, I found it and I, I had this visceral response to it. And I rang up Mum and I said, I found this fabric and I don't know why I feel so strongly about it. And she said, well, send me a photograph. And so I, I photographed and sent it to her and she said, well, that was fabric that was covering a tub chair that I grew up with 
talking about herself. Yeah. And then it must have got recovered when you were around about four. So you would have remembered it from And so I age. have obviously a deep memory of the fabric, even though I don't remember it on the tub chair, because I just knew it. Yeah. And also the perspective's really interesting in these works mm. because um, sometimes, well, for example, in one of the works that I really liked was um, Gathering What We Have, that's from last year, and that was in that mm. show, Treasures. Mm. And in this, there's, there are bottles and, um, uh, you know, a silver tray with artichokes on it and uh, flowers. But, you, you know, you see the bottle sort of with at eye level, but then when you look at the silver tray, it's like an aerial perspective. Mm. Mm. And same sort of the same with the table in a way. That's something you like playing around with? So that's something I've been interested in for a long time. Um, when I was in college, one of my teachers showed me the David Hockney photographic series where he had taken a whole lot of photographs of a room, but they're all from slightly different angles. Yeah. And that really impressed me. And then I absolutely love Bonnard as well. Mm. And if you look at those, those two sort of um, ways of looking it's more human. It's more the way you experience um, a work. I mean, I'm not taking it to the extreme of like cubism where we're trying to look at every angle possible. Mm. But I think purposefully changing it a little bit as if the viewer were moving around the objects just a little bit. Yeah. Um, recently when I was painting for that show, I was doing one of them at my aunt's place and she came along and she pointed to it and she's, you know, she's very forthright and she said, that bit's wrong. You can't see the edge of the book. <laughs> and I said, I know that's why I did it. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because I'm not trying for that. You no, know. that's right. And also, I mean, it's, it is wonderful and inspiring seeing, you know, previous artists who have... T- who play around with that mm. and also with colour, obviously, as well. I mean, if you talk about Bonnard, I mean, that must be somebody that yeah. really inspires you with colour because that's something else I want to talk about is that your colour is so, so beautiful. Mm. Mm, um, thank you. And I think that's part of why people are attracted to your work as well, you know. But, that yeah, the, pers- the perspective thing. Um, I think it brings people into it more. Mm, mm. I think you can imagine yourself in the space instead of having something that is hard and fast mm. and you're on the outside looking in. Mm. Well, it also, to me, it sort of adds a dreamy quality that you feel like it's uh, you, it's a bit surreal or a bit, it's a bit otherworldly. Or... Yes. That's right. And I, I kind of see paintings of, of living... It's almost that when you see paintings that you love, it's almost like the paintings are representing a world that you actually believe you are living in. Mm. And somehow, you know, you're here instead, but actually you should, you should be in that world where things are just a little bit more squiffy. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of a desire in a way. It's, you know, it seems like the dream world seems... A lot more like that's actually the real world. Yeah. And this is just something that's a strange thing we're having to go through. Well, I suppose you're projecting onto it what you, what you, what you hope for in life in a way. Oh, absolutely. And I definitely, I'm very superstitious. 
as Are well. You? Oh, really? Deeply superstitious. So I don't like to put things in paintings. I was doing a whole lot of drawings at one stage where I was making these dark grounds and then drawing imagery that came out of it. And then I thought, oh, my God, if I, if I continue to do that, maybe those things will come into my life. So it's kind of like looking back, looking right now, and then projecting hope into the future as well. Mm. It's, it's, so it's, optimistic. It's, the, it's the optimistic mm. version mm. of what you would like. Well, it's also, well, then it makes the process more enjoyable as well, I would have thought. Oh, yeah, the process is, is totally the enjoyment part. Well, another, another thing that's interesting about the works is that there are a lot of objects on the table. So in traditional still life, well, I suppose some of those Dutch paintings, they do, they sometimes have a lot, a hell of a lot of things on those tables. But these are a lot of sort of uh, smaller objects, like a lot of small objects than larger objects. Basically what I'm trying to get at is that it's, it's, it's quite cluttered in a way sometimes. Mm, mm, mm. And I love that about it, you mm. know. And that I think a lot of people would freak out about the composition of a painting like that because it can be a bit uh, a bit scary to try and juggle it all. Well, I think, I mean, essentially, I'm not an object painter. Oh, what do you mean by that? I think there's a lot of, I mean, I get sent images by some friends and they go, oh, look, this person paints sort of some similar things to you. And I look at the painting and that person's, objective is obviously to paint the object. I think the objects are almost incidental to the painting. That's what I'm, it's almost, it's, it's like I'm an undercover abstract artist. I just happen to be using a whole lot of objects. So I'm looking at more from composition. So will you draw it first? Yeah, it's all drawn underneath. And sometimes it's sort of erratically drawn and it's just roughed in. And other times and it's just totally dependent on mood and frame of mind. Um, and sometimes it's very meticulously drawn and shaded and everything. And then completely painted over the top. And the great thing about these still lives is that you've got so many interesting shaped objects in order to do that. I think that must be um, one of the real advantages of of, of of the crazy chaos that surrounds me. <laughs> yes. I should actually point out we're sitting in this fantastic space at the back of your place and it's just there are so many sort of vessels so and much candlesticks, books, records, CDs, flowers. There's no logic to where anything is. No, but it's wonderful. I mean, books are roughly in bookcases, but not all the time. Well, I uh, mean, that, that must be, that, and having this, I mean, I've talked about this with other artists, but having been surrounded in a spa, by these sort of things in your space uh, must really help you with, with your painting. Well, I mean, essentially it's the essence of the narratives that are running through my paintings as yeah, well. Because yeah. the things, I mean, I would say that this studio or back room whatever it is, is slightly different um, to studios I might have had in the past too because these aren't all my things. These are things from, you know, different times. You know, even the books, some of them are childhood books, some of them are my grandmother's books, some of them are my mother's books. There's 
incidental books that probably were borrowed and never given back. There are books that are probably from my great-grandparents. Yeah. You know, uh, but and same with all the objects. It's just sort of all this stuff which accumulatively make who you are or represent the mm. making of who you are, but mm. they're not necessarily all yours. Yeah. And, but also they belong to your family. They and belong so to my family, yeah, yeah. It's not as if you went to the, you know, op shop and went and bought a big box of things and no. brought them home. No, <laughs> And I think that but makes a bit of a difference. But I do love going to op shops. Yeah. And yeah. Gran did love going to op shops. So potentially quite a few of these things were originally from op shops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but probably not all bought in one go. No, no, no. But um, and and I think that's the other thing. I remember I used to go to op shops to try and find objects to paint, actually. Um, but the great thing about that is you could go into one of those shops and you could find such interesting shaped objects you know so mm. you've got in some of your in your some of your works are those beautiful little sculptures and figurines like of an elephant or you know a duck or or I don't know if that's a duck that's actually peeping it is it. yeah little yeah. duck I just find them comical on. don't you I mean why why do people have and we do we have so many little animal objects all around this house but I mean they're ridiculous <laughs> That's they true. are. They're totally well, ridiculous. Well, it's sort of, days, you know, sensible, you? sensible, sensible, totally ridiculous. Why do you have that? And that's why I like them. And I like that sort of thing, you know. It's, it's Your mind's working at different sort of levels, isn't it? And to a certain extent, I mean, with some of the larger paintings where there's a lot of things in them, that's much more sparse really. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a fun sort of almost where's Wally, like how many animals can you count? How many birds? How many elephants? Yeah. You know, how many other animals? What? Where are they? Yeah, this is a so fun thing. So like, humor, like when yeah. kids. Yeah. Well, I think. Oh God, art should be more humorous overall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's sort of linked to joy as well. Yeah, totally. You know? And that's um, and it's sort of the little bit of whimsy, you know. Yes, yes. Which, which, and I like. I would like them to be a bit kooky, you yeah. know. Like it's not a normal house necessarily. Well, it is a normal house, but it's just filled with stuff to the brim so I mean yeah you got to represent that it's, yeah it's wonderful um now we were talking also about earlier about shadows sometimes you put shadows in sometimes you don't mm. um shadows can be really useful in a painting can't oh, they? they're great sometimes in a composition they really make the composition you know yeah and um, I've seen you use some really crazy colors or really great color like a light pink for a yeah. shadow which you know ordinarily but why most, not Exactly. Because I'm not trying to do reality. It's what the painting's asking for. Mm, mm. It's, you know, mm. and you, also sh- you shouldn't be chained to reality. No. It's, you know, why would you paint if you were chained to reality? God. Yeah. <laughs> well, some people like being chained to reality. They're trying to depict. That's a whole different thing, isn't it? Yeah. You're trying to depict. You're yeah, trying no, to you're right. depict it. It's a different it's one. It's just not my thing. So, no. No. Um, and it's interesting, actually, what, what is our thing? And why it is our thing as well. Like, it's interesting why would, why some people are attracted to photorealism, other people are attracted. It's just, I wonder if it's connected to your personality. Have you ever wondered about that? <laughs> I'm not sure I have time to psychoanalysis myself. <laughs> that could be too dark. That, actually, that's right. That could be for a whole other episode, I think. <laughs> um, 
No, all right. Okay, so let's move on to portraiture because I really love your portraits as well. Mm-hmm. You've been finalist in the Black Swan. You've also been semi-finalist a couple of times in the Doug Moran with beautiful paintings. And in particular, I want to talk about one um, that, and you've painted your grandmother a couple of times, but mm. um, one that was in the Moran in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I really love that painting. Um, it's a beautiful composition. You've got her sitting in an armchair She's actually the armchair is, is facing uh, to the side and she's sort of turning her head towards the viewer and it's a beautiful expression. Um, can you tell me a bit about that sitting and how you came about um, painting that portrait? So um, I wanted her in her own space. I wanted her to... Um, have some memories of the past being drawn forward into her space as well. So that's why she's in her mother's dressing gown. Yeah, so it's a Chinese dressing gown, isn't it? Yeah, and I wanted that that history to be brought in to her portrait Mm. because I think we bring the people that are before us with us. And, of course, Gran is then part of me, Mm. but I wanted her to be strong in it, especially the fact that, you know, she has Alzheimer's, she had Alzheimer's by that point, Mm -hmm. Um, and I just wanted a, a, because she was a very strong personality, um, you know, she was really the the head honcho of the the family, you know, so... um, I wanted that strength to be shown. And have you found that um, throughout this period where she's um, had Alzheimer's, have you found that her personality still comes through to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. She's still um, hilarious. <laughs> um, she's still very determined. Yeah. Um possibly is a very hard thing to do with someone with Alzheimer's because when they're very determined, um, there's no sort of talking them down or reasoning with them. Yeah. Um, that must be very challenging as a carer. Do you find it, do you find that you're patient in that way? It is challenging, but you know what, when, when she's been, you know, because she's gone in and out of hospital for being sick as well, and um, when she starts fighting back, the nurses go, oh, oh, you know, oh, you know, this is terrible to you, in one way or another. And it's not just my response, but I think other members of the family go, oh, no, that's really good. That's a great sign. <laughs> oh, okay, she's telling you where to go. Excellent. <laughs> she's back to normal. <laughs> yeah, she's, oh, she's trying to escape. Excellent news. She's getting well. Good. Right. <laughs> and so so even though she's... she's um, you know, she's not the person she was. You still you enjoy her company and um, being with her? Look, I think it's really interesting that people um, sort of, they have different reactions to people when those people can't remember them anymore mm. and they can't remember all the stories that makes that relationship ring true. And some people sort of turn off and go, oh, well, you're not really there anymore. But actually they are in some ways 
must be very challenging. It must be very, well, I suppose the person who is close to them must be grieving in a way or I think or you go through a huge I think you go through yeah. a huge grief process mm. but you know there's moments also that that they realize or she realizes that that she's also losing it mm. and that's even mm. worse you know mm. so, yeah she just so, can't express it yeah yeah well I believe that you really um, did her justice with this beautiful portrait it really is a beautiful painting yeah um Let's move on to your landscape work because that's um, another uh, great area that you can, you, you know, you've been very successful in. Um, you were in the Paddington Art Prize last year and uh, as a finalist and with a really great work, patch, Patchwork Rocks. Is that, do you go, do you usually paint areas that you're fam very familiar with? Mm, so those, um, those works are from around here. Mm-hmm. And, um, a lot of those, we, Gran used to love painting rocks. That was her thing. And so a lot of the places that I've been going to recently have been um, places that I went to as a kid. So I'm sort of just revisiting Okay. at the moment. Yeah. I don't know where it will go from, from here. Yeah. I also do um, paintings out at my cousin Nikki's place, which is out near Bathurst. Hasn't it got an exotic name? What is it, Napoleon Reef? Napoleon Reef, yeah. <laughs> I love that. When Napoleon was there, I do not know. <laughs> and that's like a bush setting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a gold mining kind of area. Yeah, right. But it's just a cluster of houses, really. Yeah. So well, how, how about, um, how does your day look? What's your, have you got a routine? So because I look after Gran, um, most of the day is usually taken up with her because she you know it's it's harder now mm. um so it's unlikely that I'm going to get a lot done in the studio throughout the day sometimes I do mm. you know if she's having a sleep or something like that and you definitely learn to utilize every moment of your time you know if someone yeah if she's if, if she's having a nap you know you get out there and you start doing work and then if she starts to scream or something you put down paints you know quickly put the paintbrushes in water and go okay back yeah um so, so because you learn of that, how to pick up and yep. stop quickly like yeah yeah um so all of these things and the fact that I no longer work in oils for the most part I mostly work in acrylics they're all sort of things where it forces you to work really fast so I probably seriously start around about nine o'clock at night. Um, so you must have lighting set up so that it works? Lighting set yeah. up, not always good lighting. The, the lights in these, this house, it's old and they keep going out and I'm worried about the electricity and sometimes you're sort of squinting. You're like, this is not good for my eyes, but you keep doing it. Yeah. And then... So you don't, and you don't have trouble with colour, you know, with the light the next day, you know? No. Well, obviously not because I'm looking at it and it looks amazing. No, I mean, I've got all sorts of lights going different places, but because of also if you're playing with shadow, mm. it's really fun playing with different lights in different places. Yeah, but that's then true. the next day you might actually get some time to work in the daytime. 
So you have to have the lights on so that you have at least some vague sensation where the light source was. Yeah, right. Because you have to utilise that time. Yeah. You can't just stop work. But, yeah, I'll probably work from maybe 9, 9.30. You know, if I don't have an exhibition breathing down my neck, probably 12. Mm-hmm. For the exhibition that was in November, I was working till 4 in the morning. Oh, my God. So yeah. anywhere between those two things. Yeah, right. So it all depends on the, on the demands on you at the on time. On the demands, yeah. and you've just got to roll with it. Yeah. Well, you've, this year coming up, you've got a lot of demands on you because you've got, I mean, you've got a PL, residency at PLC with a solo show after that. You've got a solo show at Musselbrook Arts Centre. You've got a um, group shows with Art House Gallery. You've got a solo show with AK Bellinger and Inverell. So there is a hell of a lot coming up. Mm. Um, how do you deal with pressure of that, of that kind? Um, cross your fingers. (laughs) Look, at the end of the day, my job is to turn up to the easel. You know, you've got to let some of those other things go. What other things? Well, you've just, you know, what people might want from you or what, you know, what you wanted to get achieved as well, Mm. you know. I might have wanted to get 50 things done, but I turn up with 30. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I always overreach. Do you think that's a good thing? Does that help you, I motivate you? I think it's you? just my personality. I think if I don't overreach, I don't get as much done, mm. you know, to you a certain extent. Some... Yeah, I mean, you want to meet other people's expectations, but I think that your own expectations are always higher yeah. anyway. You always want more. You want to do a better painting. You want to explore all these things. You want to use all these things. Mm. You want you have ideas for things. Mm. I would need ten lifetimes to get all the things out that I've thought of. Yeah. And tell me, how do you um, view social media? How do you use it? And what I mean, you've got a lot of followers, so and a lot of people are interested in your work. I think. Um, Instagram itself, I was never a Facebook person. Instagram's an awfully nice place. Mm, It's a good community. It's very community. Mm. Someone was talking about it to me and they were going, oh, you know, how do you use this? How do you use that? And I just went, well, maybe if you stop trying to use something and actually just recognise that it was a community and just lived in it like, you would in any community where you have friends and you have interests and other interests and, mm. you know, not not all the things that I follow are, are art-related. Yeah. You know, it, it is just a... There are dogs and cats on there. Oh, totally. <laughs> Dog <laughs> tricks. <laughs> exactly. I always feel guilty. I was thinking, why can't I get my dog to do that? <laughs> But also I think um, I think it has revolutionised the way that um, artists can be seen Mm. as well. Mm. I think it's a huge I think it's a huge impact. Because before, in a more traditional sense, you if you were very lucky 
and you worked your butt off, you could be in a gallery and you might get an exhibition once a year. And then you'd have an exhibition opening. And if you've ever had an exhibition opening, you know you hardly ever get to talk to anyone. Yeah, I mean, that's it's, right. Let alone say goodbye or have any meaningful conversation or remember the name of anyone that's new. Mm. And you I don't mean, find out who buys your work anyway. Oh, no, 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 it's just, it's just all this, it's just a blur. It's just a constant blur. Yeah. And then, and then it's over. And they don't get much information about you apart from what you might get to tell them that night mm. or what the gallery chooses to tell them mm. about you. Mm. And so they have no connection with you. So I think it's, look, I think it's a wonderful way of finding other artists. Yeah. Definitely. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful way of keeping up a community of artists because it is a very um, solitary thing That's and possibly right. I am more solitary because of what I'm doing and where I'm situated as well. I mean, if I was doing this but I was in Sydney, I would at least be able to have people over for a cup of tea. Yeah. But I can't even do that. Mm. So to get away anywhere, I have to work out with my family. You know, my mum's coming from Melbourne so that I can go to p- do and do the PLC residency. Yeah. You know. So yeah. that she has she has to put off, you know, everything in her life to do that. Yeah. I like asking my guests what um conditions they need in the studio to get into the flow of painting. Do you have anything that sort of will get you straight into that space or are you pretty good getting into it on your own when you get here? I think that because I've got to utilise all the time I have, I don't have time to fluff around going, I must have these particular conditions. Mm. Um, And also because, you know, I I really was taught to go and paint every single day, no matter what's happening. Now, I can't say that I do necessarily paint every single day, but I would say at least five days out of the week would have been that way, you know, for, I don't know, 14 years or something. Yeah, right. You know, And would you get in here, so you would get into the studio and you would basically think, okay, I I know where I pick up where I left off, more or less. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And will you sort of spend a bit of time at first just um, looking at it with fresh eyes, you know, trying to sort of, do you find it easy to... You sort of calculate where you're up to mm. and what's got to be painted next. Yep. Um, I'd also say that sometimes if you're, you know, I get again back to being superstitious, I'll often have music playing, but I'll have the same music playing for the one painting. Really? What, like one album, for example? Well, it might be one album or I might have chosen a couple of different ones of different people if it's a big painting I'll go I'll get completely crazy if I just listen to one thing so I'll make (laughs) like a playlist yeah and sometimes I'll put those CDs in the painting oh right you know so that it will have a record of what music was playing at the time Mm. and so you always have music going a lot of the time Mm. sometimes I'm on the phone Speakerphone is fantastic. (laughs) So, you know, I'll be painting away and just, you know, having a chat. Often, most of the people I know are artists anyway. So, 
often they're painting, I'm painting, or they're talking about a painting that they're doing. Um, sometimes you're flicking things back and forth on, you know, private Instagram going, you know, that's where I'm up to, or they'll say, what do you think of that colour? And, you yeah, know, so you're yeah, having yeah, conversations, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's why, you know, so there's a whole sure. lot of friends that, 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 you know, I wish I could talk to more often, but I don't have time in the day. Mm. And if people go to bed early, you don't you get know, to talk I'm not going to gonna get onto the phone till <laughs> 9.30, so. Yeah, that's right. But if you're a late person, you'll be on the list to ring and um, you can't lose complete contact with no. the world. No, that's right. And I think that's the great thing with technology now that you can do that sort of thing, you know. You wouldn't have yeah, done that with a phone anymore. Speakerphone, just speaker in phone. itself. Exactly. It's fantastic. You no, don't exactly. have to hold it, yeah. you know. You'll be painting yeah. away. Sometimes they're like, can you talk close to the phone? I'm like, oh, not at the moment. <laughs> Hold on a moment. Yeah. Well, it's great that you can actually have, you know, FaceTime or whatever and you could just have somebody sitting there. I can't do FaceTime. Oh, can't you? Yeah. It's just too intrusive because I don't take advice on paintings. If anyone offers advice halfway through, I'm just like, no. Don't you? No. Oh, right. That's In fact, it's almost, it's almost if they've offered even more so. If I was thinking about that and they offer the advice, I'm like, absolutely not now. <laughs> no. Cut off my own. <laughs> yeah, is that because it might derail you, or is it because think you I'm just very don't want? Stubborn. Yeah, you don't really want their opinion. No. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> They're not in my brain. What yeah. have they got to do with my painting? Well, exactly. That's right. That shows a strong, a strong um, confidence as well in your own work. But you've been doing it for a long time, so I, I'm not surprised. Mm. Mm. And what um, do you? Do you have any advice for, for artists, say, who might be, you know, they're starting to get into group shows, maybe they're getting, you know, into art prizes, um, but they just want to break through to that next level. What sort of tips or advice would you give to those sort of people? I mean, I suppose that's the position that I'm in. So I think you're probably a little bit further along than that. I well, mean, you've had a few solo shows already. You've got a few coming up. Sure. Um, like for somebody to get to this breakthrough where you're breaking mm, through now, you know, mm. do you think it's, it's just a progression from what, you know, like sort of getting into group shows, entering prizes? Look, one, I think it's a lot of hard work. Mm. And I think, you know, firstly, be dedicated to getting work done that is fantastic work. So I do think a lot, you know, comes from you um, truly getting somewhere that is yours with your work. Mm, mm. I think that comes first, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Then I think you have to keep in mind that there is a lot of good luck or bad luck yeah. and you can't control that and you've got to stop trying because sometimes things just go against you there is no rhyme or reason, and sometimes they go really well, and there is no rhyme or reason. Mm. Um, I think you should be generous to other people and realise that other people are also struggling. Other people are also having all the problems that you are having and all the other problems they haven't yet had mm. and, and a whole lot of things that you don't even know about. So yeah. don't I think not presuming that everyone's... Got really easy. I think yeah. because I remember when I was, um, I did a talk when I was um, 
in the Paddington. Mm. Yeah, I was there. That's right. And this, yeah, the Paddington Art Prize. Yeah, you were on this, the panel there. This yep. lovely woman brought up the fact of how do you, you know, how do you get into these prizes? How do you deal with rejection? And you know, are you even getting rejected from things? Mm. And I think that is a downfall of social media in some ways. That of course it doesn't show. It only shows when you get into things. It doesn't show when you don't. But I think I think it's very much like throwing mud at a wall. You just gotta see what sticks. Yes. Just gotta keep putting it out there. Yeah. And not take it too personally. Because you have no idea what was going through those people's heads. No, that's right. You know, you don't yeah. know who was on the pre-selection thing. You don't know what the judge was influenced by on the day. You don't know if maybe, you know, they picked the work, but then as a, as a collective, um, you know, hang, it just didn't feel right and so they took it. Mm. You just don't no, know. No, you don't know. You shouldn't make negative presumptions. So at the end of the day, your job is to turn up to the easel, mm. Mm. you know? Yeah, that's good advice. Well, Kiata, I, I have just enjoyed today so much in this conversation. It's been wonderful. And to see your studio and all these beautiful well, thank paintings. Thank you for coming all this way. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, good luck with all the shows coming up. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kiata Mason as much as I did. I'll be getting a short video of Kiata in her studio online soon. And if you go to talkingwithpainters.com you can also find out details of her upcoming shows and links to things we talked about in the show as you probably know you can follow the show on um, social media at instagram facebook and twitter also just letting you know i'll be uploading episodes every three weeks rather than every two weeks from now on just so that i have a little more time to bring you even better podcast episodes and videos Thanks for listening and hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters. As to say, you always want it to be your best painting. But sometimes it's a painting that's, you know, wearing a ball gown. And other times it's just, you know, the lady next door kind of painting. But they're all sort of their own personalities. But at some stage you sort of get to know, oh, that's what you are. And you could either completely erase it and do a better painting or you could just let it be itself. Mm. You know, it's mm. not totally within your control. <laughs>